happy Valentine's Day. Today I thought I'd share five big secrets to create an amazing, vibrant, alive relationship because I've learned a lot about relationships in the last few years. I mean, six years ago, I had no relationships. But this is an area that is worth mastering. So in this video, I wanted to share a big overview of five big things that you need to be aware of when you are in a relationship. And this works whether you are single and you're looking for the one, or you are already in a well-established relationship and you want to deepen the intimacy. Maybe you've been together for decades. Still, pay close attention. And the first thing I want to share is the importance of this concept right here. I've shared this before, but these are the free attachment styles that we have. And when you are in a relationship, you need to know what is my attachment style because it dictates the patterns, whether they are productive or self-destructive, that you run in your relationships. So many people, they just sabotage their relationships over and over and over again. And it's most likely because they haven't discovered their attachment style and the patterns that they run. So let's break this down in a nutshell. Uh, scientists like 30, 40 years ago found that there are three or four attachment styles. We'll get to that in a minute. And the one you want to have, of course, is the secure one, which is in which you see yourself positively and in which you see others positively. So you see yourself positively, you have trust in yourself, you feel that you are worthy of love and you trust others you feel like they have good intentions. They want to do good for you. They want to show up for you. So this is the place obviously where you want to be because this makes the best relationships. Now here and here, you can have a lot of drama and many people feel like if they don't have that drama, that's not a really vibrant, alive relationship, but that is not true. That's a false belief that many people have cultivated in which they believe that they need to have a lot of drama, a lot of drawbacks, a lot of setbacks, a lot of fights to have that vibrancy and aliveness in a relationship. So having a secure partner and being secure yourself is obviously a great place to be. About 60% of the population is secure. And to be honest, in the dating market, it looks a little bit differently because secure people tend to stay in long-term relationships. They rarely self-sabotage those relationships because they see themselves as worthy of love and they see their partner in a more positive light. They don't try to find the one thing that they do wrong or are upset when their partner one time doesn't do what they want to do. So this is the place where you're meant to be. But of course, this is a spectrum. You can be a little bit here, a little bit here, and it's all fine. You can all find a great partner and have a great relationships. So, this is secure. Then we've got avoidant. Avoidant is where you see yourself positively. You have that confidence, that belief in yourself, you trust yourself, but you don't really trust others. You don't really trust that they have good intentions. So in relationships, you easily retreat. For example, your partner says something and you are easily offended. You easily retreat because they say, well, I love you and now you can't handle that emotion. 
You just can't handle the intimacy and that's why you self-sabotage. You hold people at a distance when you are avoidant. Now, when an avoidant person comes into a partnership with a secure, that isn't a huge problem. When an insecure attachment style, one partner gets into a relationship with a secure one, the secure one usually knows how to handle it. They usually know how to handle it. The difference is when an avoidant gets into a relationship with an anxious. Now an avoidant wouldn't get into a relationship with another person who's also avoidant because it wouldn't reinforce their patterns. So that wouldn't work. But this works like it pans out a lot of the time where people get into a relationship who have opposite attachment styles. And here's why it works. The avoidant wants to hold people like far away. Whereas the anxious wants to get really close to people. And as a result, these two, they reinforce their patterns. They reinforce their patterns because the anxious wants to go so close in a relationship. The avoidant believes more and more that people can't be trusted and retreats even more. So they reinforce their patterns. And because this person retreats, this, the anxious person, starts to believe even more that they're not lovable that they're not worthy or deserving of success and love in their life. So the anxious is positively viewing others, wants to get close to others, but has a negative self view of themselves. So these are the three attachment styles. I said there's a fourth, which is when you are both avoidant and anxious. Now this rarely happens. It's about 5% of the population, but this is when you make a lot of drama, you want to get close to someone, but when they give you that intimacy, you retreat, you hold them at a distance. Now, again, this is very rare. And what you also need to know is you can temporarily become insecure. Like maybe typically you are secure, but maybe in your teenage years, you went more into anxious, more into avoidant. So don't over identify with this. It's just important to know, what is my attachment style? So you can do something about it. So you can change it. This is not fixed. This has been built up in the first two years of your life. How your parents were there for you. If they were there for you, you likely have a secure attachment style. Now important to note, this is so crucially important for intimate relationships because when you get into an intimate longer term relationship, your partner, takes over the role that your parents had. Your partner becomes your attachment figure and that's why these attachment styles typically play out more in intimate relationships. And it's also because intimate relationships are just emotionally so much more loaded. So this is huge. And what I would like to know from you is what's your attachment style? What do you think? is your attachment style. And is that just temporary? Like, have you temporarily at some point become anxious or avoidant? Or do you think that yeah, that's more like a permanent pattern that you had? I'd love to know that from you. Now let's move on to the next thing that you want to know in your relationships. So what you want to do with your partner, if you are in a relationship, you want to make sure that you meet each other's needs. Because if you meet your partner's needs, and if your needs are being met, 
then you have an intimate, vibrant, alive relationship. Because why would you cheat? Why would you go to someone else if your needs are already being met? And according to Tony Robbins, there are six core human needs. Let's go through them. First, we've got certainty. We want some feeling of security in our life. We want that feeling of my partner's going to be there for me when I have a difficult situation or something like that. So we want certainty. We want predictability. When I have a difficult situation, my partner's going to be there for me. Secondly, we've got uncertainty, variety. When everything is predictable every time, you have a boring ass life. So you want uncertainty. You want some variety in your daily routine. I mean, for example, if you have sex with your partner every evening, just before you go to bed, in the same way all the time, I promise you, this is going to get stale really, really fast. So you need novelty, you need variety in your relationship, whether it is about sex or just what you do. Like you want to create novel experiences with your partner. You want to surprise them from time to time. Then the third one is love. We want to feel loved, obviously. The fourth one is significance. You want to feel like a sense of significance in your relationship. You want to be seen, more or less. That's this human need. Then the fifth human need is growth. You want to feel like your relationship is growing because if it's not growing, it's dying. If your relationship is not growing, it is dying. And then the last one is contribution. Now, this is not so much in relationships, more like in a general sense, you want to contribute. This is maybe when you become a parent and you foster these children. But these are the six core human needs. And here's one habit I want you to practice with your partner. I want you every week to have a date night. And in that date night, you measure each of these six human needs and how each other are meeting each other's needs. Because when you measure it, you can improve it. So for example, what I and my girlfriend, we always do every week, or we try to at least, is we measure each other. How loved do you feel? How secure do you feel? How much variety do we have in our relationship? And I know it's not always a 10. But once I know, okay, this is not in high gear, then I can do something about it. The worst thing people do is they wait for things to get worse. They are reactive. They don't anticipate. They're not proactive. And this is a proactive approach. You proactively measure your relationships over and over and over again so that it doesn't get to a point in which there's no point of return. When you measure something, you can do something about it. So measure these six core human needs and how you are meeting your partner's needs and how your partner meets your needs. Now, obviously, you need to meet your own needs first. You need to feel whole first. But then meeting those needs is such a powerful way to ensure that your relationship is thriving. So that's key number two. Key number three is there needs to be a balance between independence and interdependence. If you look back at this, the avoidant is really independent, values his or her independence extremely high and doesn't want to become 
get into an interdependent relationship. Now, the anxious is more dependent. That is a dependent relationship. Now, what you need to have in your relationship is you need to have the balance between independence, where you are each an individual, as well as interdependence, where you are both a collective. And these are different stages you need to go through in life. First stage of your life is very dependent. I mean, from zero basically till you're like 14, 18 years old, you're very dependent on your parents. You're not independent. And over time, you learn to become more independent, especially if you leave your parents' house, when you move to another city, when you move to college. During that time, you learn to be independent. Now, many people, they stay stuck here, but you want to get to a next point which is where you become interdependent. And when you are in a long-term relationship, you need to have a balance between independence and interdependence. Like you need to make the biggest decisions, you need to make them together. And you should share a lot about your daily routines, your thoughts, your feelings, and all that things. That's super important. But you also need to do some things independently. Like maybe once a year you go on a girl's trip or a men's trip with your buddies or your girls. That's an independent activity. And when you have some separation too, like you're not always together, then when you come back, that relationship is so much more thriving and alive. So this is huge. There needs to be a balance between independence and interdependence. And in most relationships, people are too independent instead of being interdependent. But of course, it depends. Fourth key to a great relationship. And by the way, if you like this video so far, could you smash like so more people see this video? Fourth key is forgiveness and assuming good intent. Like your partner is going to disappoint you from time to time. Sometimes, they're just not doing the things that you expected them to do. So you want to have high expectations for your relationship, but you also want to be very forgiving. And what secure people do most often, they assume that people have good intents. Like here, the avoidant assumes there's a bad intent. People want to get too close, too clean. They want to interrupt my independence. Here, People assume a good intent. They see when their partner hurts them, it wasn't really about me. They were maybe in a bad place, had a bad day. They are more forgiving. They make more excuses for the faults of their partner. Now, is this always the right thing to do? No, because the anxious typically refuses to see the shortcomings of the other and maybe they get into an abusive relationship. When you are in an abusive relationship, you should stop making excuses for your partner, obviously. But when you have a good partner, then forgiveness is so important. Because what do people do? They hold on to what people do all the time. And then when their partner does something or they're in a difficult situation, then they bring it up. Hey, two years ago, you did this. Three years ago, you did this. Five years ago, you did this. They keep a score, they keep a list of everything their partner did wrong so they can bring it up during a fight or a conflict. And this is so deadly. 
for relationships. I mean, when you have a conflict and this is going to occur, you need to let go of the past and just be there and talk about what is going on right now. This is so huge. But people keep bringing up the things from the past and they don't forgive their partner. Now, the foundation of a relationship erodes if there's no forgiveness, if there's no assuming good intent. So this is so critical. And then the last key thing I want to recommend you is a like a concept called fair play. It's based on this book right here, by, written by Eve Rodsky. It's called Fair Play, the book, and this is fantastic. And the thing about relationships is, even if you do all these other things, like there are different, like there are different stages of life, sure, but there are certain things that you need to do all the time, like household chores. Especially if you have children, this becomes huge, because typically, in a relationship, there's one person who is more organized and who keeps order in the household. Now, in that like balance or lack thereof, if one person does everything and the other person, for example, needs to be nagged or reminded all the time, there's a lot of resentment. Like I, for example, I don't like cleaning up. I don't like doing the household. I just don't. So for a longer period of time, my girlfriend usually did that. Now we have two children and that takes a lot of effort, a lot of time. And she also had to do the household. After I read this book, I realized I learned I need to do my own end of the bargain. So we have less resentment and more love and more time for ourselves. So typically men often are not really the household owner, those who really do the work and keep the household running. What she talks about this in, in this book is that many women become the she-fault parent. Like they become the most important person in their children's lives by default. It wasn't really talked through. No, it was just assumed that they do the household, that they do everything. But this breeds a lot of resentment. It breeds a lot of resentment and resentment is the killer of intimacy. It is the, the silent, deadly killer that over time has you grow apart. So this is huge. I rank, recommend everybody to read this book because this is highly valuable, highly tactical, so you can balance it out. Now, important to note, it is not about everybody. Like you and your partner do exactly the same share of household share like chores. No, it's about, can we find a balance that feels fair to both of us? And can we take ownerships of the things that we accept to do? Like for example, many women still need to remind their men to do certain things, even if they agree to do them. They still need to be reminded. That is not really a good balance. What she says in this book is that if you own a task, you own the entire process. If you're, for example, you take on the task of driving your kids to school, then you make sure that the car has enough gas, that your kids are dressed and all those things. You take the planning as well as the execution. I read this book three months ago. Man, since then, my relationship with my girlfriend 
has been at an entire new level because there's a lot less resentment because I do my share, she does her share, and we have less conflict about who does the dishes, who cleans up, and all these things. It gives you so much more emotional freedom. So those are my five big keys. Obviously, we could talk like for hours about relationships, but I want to keep this tactical short so you can take action and dive in deeper. I mean, this is not the end of your journey. This is just the start. You need to go deeper. Read this book, maybe read a book on attachment styles. There's a book called Attached, or one I recommend is Your One Wild and Precious Life. It's not entirely about attachment styles, but the author talks a lot about attachment styles and attachment needs, and it's been one of the best books I've ever read, to be honest. So this is just the start of your journey. You want to go deep. Relationships is an area that you need to master. Don't dabble. It's too important, especially your intimate relationship. This is the most important relationship that we have with another person. So it's worth mastering. It's worth getting it right. So if you like this video, then smash like. And if you're new to the channel, hi, I'm Yannick Matzner. If you like this video, then you might want to subscribe down below, hit that notification bell so you don't miss any of my future videos. And then I recommend that you watch this video right here where we go deeper into the different attachment styles. It's going to be so valuable to you. And then I'll see you in the next one.